Certainly a blessing to be able to be together again this morning. Thankful for this opportunity. Trust that as we look into God's Word together, we'll find some things that will be an encouragement to each and every one. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6. We've entitled our study today, Fiery Darts, clearly a reference to the statement that Paul makes here in Ephesians chapter 6. Before I start, I want to I clarify my goal today. Now, I understand I don't always accomplish my goal, but I want you to know what my goal is. We all have these fiery darts life's difficulties, things the devil's throwing at us. And sometimes there's one or two coming, and sometimes the air's full of them. But I don't want to focus on that. I think it's important that we recognize that that's happening, and that we understand why that's happening, and we understand how that's happening. But what's more important than all of that is to understand how complete and total the victory over these fiery darts can be. They're going to happen. They're coming. But if we'll take these tools that God gives us, the victory's already won. But we've got to use the tools. So that's my goal. It's to help us to focus on the way that God has given us to overcome difficulty in life. So Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul says this, Finally, my brethren, he's closing this letter that he has written to the church at Ephesus. This is some of his last admonition for them. He says, Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God, he says, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In so many ways, that would be so much easier. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, he says. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that's the battle. That's where the battle is. It's not against flesh and blood. We have to understand that. We have to recognize that. And if we don't recognize that, we're fighting the wrong battle all the time. He goes on to say, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your waist, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which ye will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. 
And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So there's a lot of stuff here. And I'm not going to try to cover everything that he says in these verses. I want us to consider all of that. But I'm not going to try to cover all this information this morning. I want to focus on the fiery darts. Now, these are just, I don't know, I probably spent five minutes and come up with the things that I see in my life that are fiery darts. That the, that the devil, the evil one, is throwing at me. Every day. Doubt. Fear. Grief. Division. Illness. Confusion. By confusion, I mean, I, you just, I see and hear things every day that I don't understand and it makes no sense to me. How can that be? Insecurity? You know, insecurity means different things to different people, and I, I, I want to elaborate on that a little bit, because I was insecure when I was 20, and I'm insecure when I'm 60. Well, 62. But I'm insecure about different things. And in either case, the answer is the same. It doesn't matter what you're insecure about. God's the answer. The promise of God is the answer. And so when He says, take your shield of faith so that you can quench the fiery dart, Do we believe God's promise? That, that's the question. So I'm 62, as I mentioned. My body's failing me. If I go broke farming, I don't really see that many people wanting to hire a 62-year-old unhealthy person. So I'm insecure about that. Now when I was 20, well, I'd go get another job. Do you see the point? It's the devil, and he's throwing a fiery dart. And God's promise is He's going to take care of us. So we either get our shield up or we put it down and take the arrow when we don't have to. Temptations are coming every day. He knows what your weakness is and He's using it against you. And we become hopeless. we become hopeless because we're not trusting God. 
We're trusting the flesh. That's what we're trusting. And we're taking all these arrows. And then we become discouraged. It doesn't have to be this way. John 10 and verse 10, we know what the Bible says about Satan. We know what his goal is. We know what he wants. And yet we take our shield down and just open ourselves up to it. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. These darts are painful. He says they're fiery. They're on fire. They'll burn you. It hurts. And he likes it. It's what he wants. Second Corinthians 4 and 8, the apostle says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. The darts are not going to go away. They won't go away. They'll keep coming. They'll keep coming. It's a lifelong battle. That's why we need to get our shield up. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, the apostle says, which is but for a moment. I have to comment on that. I know I've probably said this before, but one of the things that comes with age, you increasingly come to understand how quickly time passes, right? We've got to remember this, people. And when things are good, be thankful. But no, it's not going to last. When things are bad, difficult, be thankful. That's not going to last either. Every one of these things that happens to us in life is but for a moment. It's temporal, temporary. They're real. Not saying they're not important, but they're temporary. And what he says is these light afflictions, and he calls them light, not to minimize the pain, but to emphasize the temporary nature of them. In comparison to eternity, they're light. And he says it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, it's the temporal versus the eternal. Fiery darts, every one of them, are temporary. 
John 8, verse 42. If you don't hear anything else that I cover today, please listen to what Jesus says here. If God were your Father, you would love me. The Pharisees here were offended. Jesus offended them. So He's responding to that. He says, For I proceeded forth and come from God, nor have I come of myself, but He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? That's a tremendously important question today. Why do we not understand God's promises? When He said, take no thought for the morrow. Why do we not understand that? When He said, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about food or clothing. I will provide. Why do we not understand that? Romans 8, all things work together for good. Why do we not understand that? Because you're not able to listen to my word. And then he explains further. You're of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. And here's what happens to us, and I'm talking about good Christian people that want to get to heaven, that want to serve God, that want to do the right thing. I want you to understand what happens. We take God's promises and we hear the words, but we're looking for a carnal solution. We think we can find the answer in the world. There's not a carnal solution to these spiritual problems. And that's what they are. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus says, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Let's not go to this place, folks. Because the devil's out there every day. All of this stuff that he's throwing at us is based on a lie. It's a lie. Well, I don't know if He's going to take care of me. It's a lie. I don't know if I'll ever overcome this grief. It's a lie. No matter what the dart is, it's based on a lie. Because that's who He is. Don't believe the lie. Believe God. The truth. 
If I tell you the truth, Jesus says, why do you not believe me? He who is of God, is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. And I know that's harsh. And I know how they reacted to it. But sometimes that's what we need to hear because we're believing the lie. And when we believe the lie and we follow the lie, we're rejecting God. And we're ignoring His promises and what He, the assurance that He gives us. Ephesians 2. Well, I'm not going to get to that yet. I want to talk about this. These things that He said we were fighting against. He said we're not fighting flesh and blood. I said earlier that would be easier. And I think it would. We could understand that. We get that. But what he said, we're, we're not fighting that, we're fighting this, these things. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness. That sounds pretty intimidating. And pretty difficult, doesn't it? Well, it's not that complicated. I believe he explains it here in Ephesians chapter 2. Where he says, And you, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We understand the process that happens when we obey the gospel, Right? We go down into the water, the old man dies, God kills him off. We come forth to walk in newness of life. That's what he's talking about here. You were dead, now you're alive. But notice what he says about being in this dead state in which he once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So that's what he's talking about in Ephesians 6. That's the battle. It's all given in to all of this desire and lust and wickedness that's out there in the world and pursuing that. That's what that is. When we come forth from baptism to be a new man, we don't behave that way anymore. And that's the battle. It's not easy. The temptation don't just go away. The difficulties don't just go away. You remember in the parable of the sower? What he said about the seed that fell on the hard ground? It sprouted. But then what? Temptation and difficulty arose and they died. That seed died because the fiery darts started flying. And they didn't get their shield up. 
It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle for our mind, for our heart. All of the things that he says we need to take up in armor. We'll go over that again here in a minute. Let's look at John 18. And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given to me? You know, it's lots of lessons that we get to learn from Peter. But you've got to love what he does here. I, to me, it seems pretty obvious that he was willing to give his life. He was ready to die for Jesus. And you've got to appreciate that. But it was the wrong battle, wasn't it? It was the wrong fight. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, my servants would fight. But he told Peter to put your sword up. And then when the real fight came, Peter folded. When it was time to stand up and say, Yes, I follow Jesus. He folded. See which one was the most difficult battle? It's a spiritual battle, and it's not an easy fight. We need all the help we can get, and God gives it to us. Ephesians 4 and verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So I mentioned earlier, we read earlier where the devil is the father of lies. But one of the things that happens to us and is quite discouraging sometimes in life is the fact that people disappoint us. So what we've got to recognize, you and I, is that the devil will use us to tear other people down. And I'm telling you, when you put your shield down and you start taking all of these arrows... You're going to start lashing out. And you become the tool of Satan. What's the admonition here? Grow up. Stop following all these goofy ideas. Grow up. Don't be tricked. Don't be tricked. 
2 Corinthians 2, Now when you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan, notice, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, I picked forgiveness for one reason. Somebody hurts us, somebody harms us. How do we react? Do we look for a carnal solution? Is there a carnal solution? That's one of the devices of Satan. Don't be ignorant of that. Recognize that it's a spiritual battle. And the solution is to forgive. But that's completely our counterintuitive to the flesh. Because I've been harmed. It's the device of Satan. It's a spiritual battle. Get your shield up. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. That's the contrast. There's a spiritual solution to these challenges, or there's a worldly one. Beware, he says. Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The devil's telling you all the time these things. That God wouldn't let that happen to you if He loved you. God wouldn't let that happen to you if He loved you. You believe in that lie? I mean, I guess I can, I can say I have suffered some tribulation and distress. These other things, not so much. We could, and maybe you have. I, I don't know, but the point is it doesn't matter. God's promises stand. And when we believe that lie, it takes us off to a dark, dark place. For your sake, he says, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And Christians at different times since the first century have literally been slaughtered like sheep. Were they separated from God? Did God abandon them? Did God cease to keep His promise? Promises? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God never promised us a life free of trouble. That's not one of His promises. Yet in all these things, the Apostle says, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 
more than conquerors. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers. Does that sound familiar? No principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. We can. Nothing can, but we can because we put our shield down. And we believe the lie. So when we read there in Ephesians 6 to begin with, his first statement was to take up the whole armor. It's a set. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the waist girded with truth, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, praying always. That's the whole set of armor that God gives us, and it's all important. And I, I, don't, I don't want to lessen the importance of any of it. It's all important, and it all fits together, and it all works together. And we all need it, because we're all vulnerable. But I want to focus the rest of my time on this statement, above all. Why does he say above all? He's not saying the other things aren't important. But he does say above all. Take your shield. So I said we're all vulnerable. The reason we're vulnerable is because we're all in the flesh, and the flesh is weak. And the flesh is susceptible to believing the lies that the devil is telling us. It's the flesh that wants to respond to that lie. This sin is going to make me happy. That's the lie. The flesh thinks that sounds good. We're all susceptible. We all need the armor. We all need to get our shield up. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know what, it, what the apostle said there in Ephesians 6 about the armor was, if you take it, you can stand. If you'll take this armor up, And you put it on, you can stand in the evil day. That's what he said. Recognize you're vulnerable. No temptation has taken you, has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. This is one of God's promises. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We're all vulnerable, but we all have a way of escape. So when we think about that, 
My question is, do you believe that? That's why he said, faith is your shield. But do you believe that? Do you have any faith that God is going to keep that promise? So when the temptation comes, do you believe the devil that this is going to be good for me? Or do you believe this promise that God said you can escape this temptation and avoid the harm? Sin is harmful. Get your shield up and you quench the dart. Put your shield down, believe the lie, and you're going to be harmed. But God's faithful. He makes the way of escape. James 1, But each of you is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desires and enticed. We're all vulnerable because we're all in the flesh and we all have desires and we can all be enticed. So I want to look at a couple of Old Testament examples. And the reason I want to do this is because these are examples of people in earthly battles. I hope we've already established that ours is not. We're not fighting flesh and blood. They're fighting flesh and blood. But there's a principle here that has application to our spiritual battle. Then he set them military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement. We need encouragement. We've got that in common with these folks. There's a daunting force threatening them. They need to know they can win this fight. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria. Why? Why could they be strong and unafraid? nor before all the multitude that is with Him. For there are more with us than with Him. There are more with us than with Him. That's how. With Him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Why'd that help? Just words. Anybody can say those words. Why'd it help? Because they believed it. They believed it. They had faith. So they were able to be strong and courageous. Here in Second Kings, I've always found this interesting. The prophet Elijah was telling the king of Israel how to avoid the Assyrian army. 
And the king of Assyria got frustrated because, you know, he decided there was a traitor in, the, in his camp telling them all of their plans. Well, there was no traitor. It was Elisha. God was revealing to him what their plans were. And, and there's a statement made here somewhere. It's like he was in his bedroom and he heard everything he said. Well, so he got frustrated with that, and somebody told him where Elisha was, so this king sends the army down there. They're going to take care of Elisha. We pick up here in verse 15, and the Bible says, When the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. So here's this flesh and blood fat battle that they're faced with. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? They had no army. They had no way to fight this large group of people that was arrayed against them. But what did Elisha say? Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with you. The answer is the same as it was in Second Chronicles. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I don't know if there's horses and chariots surrounding us today. But what I do know is that we're surrounded by the promises of God. And the one on our side is greater than the one on the other side. Let's take advantage of the promises that He's given us and remember that. Remember Psalms 125 in verse 2, as the mountains surround Jerusalem. We sing this song frequently. And that's what it's talking about. It's talking about 2 Kings 6. So the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. 1 John 5 and verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We believe what God has promised us, and that's our shield. And we keep it up. We get it in front of us. And it quenches the fiery darts every time. All the darts, the Bible says. Ephesians 3, he, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you believe it? Do you believe that that's what God has done for us? that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, 
width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What a tremendous promise. Do we remember that when the darts are flying? Or are we so focused on the dart that we forget to put our shield up? Colossians 1 and verse 9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. It's not about our ability. It's not about our strength. It's about what God has given us. It's about His strength. 2 Corinthians 12, Unless I should be exalted above measure, the Apostle Paul talks about being strong because of his weakness. Do you know what our weakness is supposed to do for us? It's supposed to remind us how desperately we need God. And instead, what our weakness does to us is we become discouraged and disappointed and frustrated. And we forget. We start believing the lie and we forget. We need God. When I am weak, God makes me strong. That's His promise. Ephesians 1, 19, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. See how important faith is? We don't see Jesus sitting at God's right hand. I don't see that today except through the eye of faith. Because that's what the Apostle Paul said. We know He's there. If we believe it, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Realize how much you need Him. And He will give you strength. So get your shield up. 1 Corinthians 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The helmet of salvation. It protects your head. Protects your thoughts. To remember what Jesus has done for us. And who we are. What life's about. And this world is not our home. We have something better to look forward to. I was with you in weakness, Paul says, in fear and in much trembling. But he had his armor on. He wore his armor. 
My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. It's not, he's not fighting flesh and blood. If it was a battle against flesh and blood, this worldly wisdom would probably be good. That's not what the fight is. But in demonstration of the Spirit and the power, it's about God's power and His desire and willingness to deliver us. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's our study today. We never want to close without offering the invitation. It's the Lord's invitation. It's always open, but we find it a convenient time to give those that might have a spiritual need in their life an opportunity to come and make that need known. So we're going to ask you if you'd like to respond to the gospel or need the prayers of the church that you come and have a seat on one of the front pews while we stand and sing.